Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope you're all having a fantastic day out there. So today was my first day of residency. Um, you know, we've had a ton of training and everything, getting ready for it, all the orientation. Probably one of the longer orientations out there with being for a huge healthcare system like Kaiser. Um, but it's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's been great kind of getting the day one under my belt. Had a good number of evals, had some sweet follow-ups. That It's always weird when you get a handful of follow-ups that was previously uh, from another, another therapist. Um, especially when it's like three or four follow-ups that are all from the same different therapist from a previous resident. Um, but it was good. It was good navigating the waters, troubleshooting. Um, I've got a freaking sweet uh, mentor slash preceptor um, for this time. So really, really looking forward to it. And so I'm at a different Kaiser clinic on Mondays than I am at the, kind of the mothership on Tuesday and Thursdays. But actually my preceptor for this first four months, he works there on Mondays as well. Um, so he's again he's done many multiple fellowships he's a fellowship uh, teacher he teaches um, uh, musculoskeletal courses for musculoskeletal one two and three uh, for a DPT program and you know it's awesome man I'm gonna learn a freaking ton and just looking forward to getting as good as I can with what I can do and taking advantage of all these opportunities because no matter how good the opportunity is um, it's highly solely dependent on who the person is trying to take full advantage of it. That's what I'm here for, looking to gain everything I can. But here, what I'm talking about in this podcast episode, is a muscle Monday. It's kind of a muscle Monday, kind of a muscle thing. Today we're talking about the diagnosis of plantar pseudofasciitis. Plantar pseudofasciitis. Pseudo means kind of there or fake or whatever, you know, like pseudoscience, fake science, right? But pretend to be. Pretend to be the real thing. Fool's gold, that's a pseudo gold. It's a fake gold. So, what the heck do I mean by plantar pseudofasciitis? Well, we're focusing on plantar fasciitis except not plantar fasciitis. We're talking about differential diagnosis and in the context of an athlete that I saw. So... This athlete I was working with, quick screening on him, not a full, thorough history of everything. But he's a big-time runner, uh, marathon competitor. He's, uh, for cross-training, he does a lot of boxing, weightlifting. He does some swimming. So he's really a pretty active guy. He complains of what he deems as plantar fasciitis. And, you know, he um, he's fairly health-conscious, does a lot for himself. Uh, he says he has a chiropractor that he routinely goes to see to get quote-unquote tune-ups and uh, help with some motion and everything. And he has this plantar fasciitis. This plantar fasciitis for him, in his experience, is on the right foot. It occurs while running. Not always immediately while running, but at certain thresholds of intensity. For him, in let's say a 20-mile run, it might come on at mile 6. And, you know, fade in and out as, de- as he decreases intensity, as he picks up the speed a little bit, has a lot more kind of uh, compression, intensity, movement of intrinsic muscles of the foot um, through repetitive action. 
what happens? It comes back strong in surge in, let's say, mile 15, 16 or so, 17 even. So he's got some variability in there. Um, so what are his symptoms? His symptoms are pain, sharp pain for him in the middle part of the foot on the plantar surface, the sole of the foot. And once it, it increases, it exacerbates, he has numbness in the second toe. Not the middle, not the big toe, not the middle toe, the third toe, second toe, second toe only. That's where the numbness occurs. Okay, there's some information. So, I want you all to think about that. For those of you who are clinicians or aspiring to be clinicians, let's talk differential diagnosis. What are you thinking? Now, of course, you're probably saying, oh, well, uh, the title of the podcast is plantar pseudofasciitis, so uh, I'm going to use my clinical reasoning and say, because he named it that, it's not plantar fasciitis. Good job, guys. You can pass a multiple-choice test. You'll get through PT school. No, I'm kidding. Um, but not kidding at the same time, actually. So it's not plantar fasciitis. Why? How does plantar fasciitis typically present? Typically, plantar fasciitis is going to be a tightness of the plantar fascia, that thick bound connective tissue of the foot. Typically, the worst pain that it's going to be are the first steps in the morning, putting pressure on it after, after being in a prolonged, still stationary, but prolonged plantar flexion position of the foot, where you have that tension that winds up in the system. It's going to be pain to palpation, which was for this fellow, but for him it was pain to palpation the middle part of the foot. This is going to be pain to palpation, and for him it did release with some soft tissue work. This is going to be pain with palpation to the medial calcaneal tubercle, and this is the largest position, place of the attachment of plantar fascia of the main band, the medial band. Now you do have a lateral band as well that attaches to the lateral um, little tubercle or protuberance off the um, inferior calcaneus, the inferior anterior calcaneus, but that's not as common for our typical plantar fasciitis. Fasciitis, not saying it can't happen, but it often doesn't. It's usually on the medial tubercle. Now, a lot of people might get this kind of quick evaluation and say, oh, he says he has plantar fasciitis, well-informed. I touch his plantar fascia somewhere in there, somewhere on the bottom of the foot. He's got the pain. Okay. Numbness in the toe, that's a weird thing. But hey, that's just, that's whatever, right? He's got plantar fasciitis in the area of the bottom of his foot. This is one of those clinical situations where we've got to get more specific. We've got to understand and get more intimately involved with the anatomy at play. So, I'm going to give it away. It's not plantar fasciitis. Um, you know, for him, having, um, as he gets looser, as he gets moving more and more in the run, I'm not saying always looser, but blood flowing, things moving, higher demand is when the issues are. So it doesn't seem to be inherently about compression or pressure, especially not necessarily in the first thing in the morning. He's having most of the pain during high performance when the calf is already going. So, what's the issue? Well, let's dive a little deeper into the anatomy. That's the foundation for these Muscle Monday podcasts anyway. So we've got some nerves. We've got the tibial nerve, which comes down off of the sciatic nerve, sciatic nerve splits, fibular, common fibular, tibial nerve. We've got the fibular nerve doing its whole thing, splitting up a few times. We've got the tibial nerve that crosses down. Once it crosses down just above the ankle, 
splits into four branches. Two of those branches are the medial and lateral plantar nerves, which we're going to spend some more tender loving care with. These medial and lateral plantar nerves are pretty darn important. The lateral plantar nerve is one of the more common differential diagnoses for plantar fasciitis because of the distribution, because of its pathway. It passes between the quadratus planti, which by the way, it also innervates, and it's going to cross next to the flexor digitorum brevis of the foot, obviously. I'm talking about the foot. The flexor digitorum brevis of the foot. That's where it is. In the hand, they're named kind of different for the flexors. Uh, superficialis in that area, and profundus, meaning deep. So, we've got the flexor digitorum brevis in the foot, and the quadratus planti, with these interesting intricate combinations where the lateral plantar nerve passes through there. That could be a possibility. That could be a culprit, right? Um, you know, it's a typical differential diagnosis. The pain is often more midfoot, like it is for this gentleman when he's running, than it is otherwise. There may be some adverse neural tension in that area, um, but he didn't he didn't really report direct adverse neural tension. Nerves need movement, blood, or space. That was not reproduced on test per se, but again, this was tests that were done an hour after the 20 mile run, an hour after peak time of symptom exacerbation, where his symptoms were only exacerbated on those long runs. Not waking up in the morning, not with just a little bit of pressure here and there. Symptoms were exacerbated a little bit with deep prodding and poking from after that run, but not in terms of neural tension. So if the nerve was compressed in any way, shape, or form, lacking movement, blood, or space, as nerves require to do, because nerves are 80% connective tissue, they need to move, slide, and glide with the rest of the body in our three-dimensional shape that we exist in. They're not just there to send signal, they're tissues as well. With increased sensation. So, lateral plantar nerve, potential culprit. Now let's look at the innervation pattern for these nerves, for the medial and lateral plantar nerve, where this doesn't hold up as much. The lateral plantar nerve provides its cutaneous innervation to the lateral part of the foot. The Let's think about the lateral plantar nerve a little bit more like the ulnar nerve, supplying the fifth digit and half of the fourth. That's kind of what the... Um, yeah, that's kind of what the lateral plantar nerve does. So it's um, it starts out more medial than where its actual cutaneous and innervation travels to. Why is this true? Well, because the tibial nerve, when it branches off, the tibial nerve is more in that deep posterior medial compartment, traveling along with tibialis posterior and flexor digitorum longus and flexor halicis longus in that deep posterior compartment, deep and more medial to the gastroc and soleus. So it splits down medial, travels out lateral for its innervation pattern while innervating those muscles like the quadratus plantae flexor digitorum brevis that we talked about, it passes right through. Muscles that nerves pass through, they're gonna innervate. It's a, it's a battle, it's a, a geometry finding of proximity. It just makes sense.
we've also got the medial plantar nerve. So we've got some reasons why it could or why it could not be the lateral plantar nerve based on this distribution of the second digit numbness tingling. Now, the medial plantar nerve, what happens with that? That's a larger one. Think of the medial plantar nerve more akin to the median nerve in the hand. Median nerve in the hand. Wow, we've got, again, pretty cool thing about this comparative anatomy, we've got the radial nerve of the upper extremity with its superficial and deep branches. Oh, guess what? That's our common fibular nerve, more the extensor compartment in our lower extremity, superficial and uh, deep branches. So we've got a lot of cool comparative anatomy between the upper and lower extremity. That's pretty important to pay attention to. But the medial plantar nerve, like the median nerve, akin to the median nerve, passes off that posterior, off the tibial nerve, and provides a lot of innervation. It innervates the big toe area. It innervates digits two and three, and half a digit four. And we have a lot of different kind of ways that nerves innervate. We've got the cutaneous sensation. Great, that makes sense, that's the skin. This is the area we're talking about going numb. We've also got the muscular. With that muscular, um, that's all the motor performance. We've got joint fiber itself for a lot of those articulations and deep sensations. Um, we have, with this nerve specifically, something called the proper digital nerve. And that is very specifically just to the medial side of the great toe, the big toe. Uh, then in addition to that, so the outside of the big toe, we have the three common digital nerves. And those go to, again, digits two, three, and four. With the common digital nerves, again, two, three, four, AKA let's focus on two, we also have a crossover. We have a crossover dual innervation. We talk about anastomoses for dual and kind of multiple blood supplies supplying a region. Like the best example is seen in the knee, but maybe more for amount of different blood flow, but maybe the best historical example for medical importance is seen in the brain from the carotids and from the vertebral basilar complex, providing multi-directional blood flow and anastomoses and support. We have this for nerves too. We have some level of dual crossover. Just like the medial and lateral pectoral nerves have some communicating branches, the medial and lateral plantar nerves have some communicating branches to innervate digits two, three, and four. So, what the heck is going on? What's going on? Well, first of all, it's not, we have, we can't rule out that sometimes people have individual anatomies, individual kind of preferences, innervation patterns to them that are a little bit different. So we can't rule that out. What muscles are involved in these pathways of the medial plantar nerve? Well, you've got the abductor halysis. We've got um, the pathway coming down of a lot of the great toe flexors in the area as it crosses over. And again, the pattern of irritation is second digit, which is more consistent with medial plantar nerve for the numbness, more consistent for the numbness and all the musculature surrounding that. So pretty interesting stuff. Can I say exactly what's going on with the information I have? No, I can't say without truly doing neurological tests and seeing at that threshold. 
at the end of the day, does it truly exactly matter to that oomph of detail, whether it's a steering communicating branch with a medial lateral plantar nerve? Not really. You can tease it out with the systems. Is it important that we tease out this neurological involvement versus a plantar fasciitis? Absolutely. That's going to affect clinical care and how we help treat this athlete with their symptoms, with their presentation, with how we can help rehab them. And it's going to be a quicker rehab than plantar fasciitis. If you go in communicating with them, hey, it's going to, you know, this could be a long process, could take nine months, blah, blah, blah. Dude, that's a freaking setback. That can affect their lifestyle. That can affect how they train. If you talk about them, hey, there's a little bit of a high fault, high threshold in terms of it takes a while for these symptoms to come on kind of neurological impaired mobility with potentially a place of fatigue in the system over gripping of the intrinsic muscles kind of compression squeezing on the nerve in that area there's some irritation that's a whole different story whole different story so whether this is the medial or lateral plantar nerve for this athlete whether um, it's certain fibers of the quadrus planti the abductor halysis. We've got a lot of options out there. A lot of options. And we might not know the exact cause. We might not know the exact pathway. But we've got the treatment to be able to affect it as different than just plantar fasciitis. So de get detailed in the anatomy, ladies and gentlemen. Understand it. Because it doesn't always affect clinical care. But when it does, it's important that that person who comes in relying on you can rely on you that you have the confidence in yourself maybe not to always know every little detail right away i didn't know about that what i'm calling a neurological anastomosis between the medial and lateral plantar nerves at first but i was willing to be humble and look it up i was willing to find that answers those answers when i didn't have the answers right away Make sure you're willing, make sure you're humble, make sure you're hungry with it. Make sure that you have a pursuit for the knowledge to make things the best that they can be. That's what it's all about, y'all. Taking the time to make it happen. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing this journey with me. It's been a blast. Take care of those feet. Get the neuromobility going. Again, nerves need movement, blood in space. And the biggest takeaway from this episode is that anatomy does matter. Anatomy does matter. All right, y'all. Simply, not easy.